Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today we are pleased to have with us Mr. John Sabald, President of Arizona Lutheran Academy. John is here today as part of our Christian Education Sunday. And now, here's John Sabald. Good morning, Crosswalk. Very nice. Please pull out your notes. We're going to follow them. Got a lot of important territory to cover today. If you've got a Bible app, you're sure welcome to pull that out too. Turn off your ringers. Save yourself from embarrassing moments. You know who you are. Okay. We're going to get started by taking a look at a psalm this morning. Psalm 32. I love digging into the psalms because they're just so real. They're so earthy and so transparent and so honest about things that people are wrestling with, groveling with. And that's very much the case here in this Psalm of David. This is Psalm 32. Doesn't take long in reading this Psalm to find out that David is struggling with some pretty serious things. I'll give you a little bit of context later. But as it turns out, David took his stupid pills, did some really, really bad things, and now is struggling with the consequences of his sin, but at the same time, coming to sort of an epiphany, a spiritual epiphany about how God now looked at him and his sin. So listen to this. This is Psalm 32, starting at verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's been almost 10 years now since... My family and I moved from the state of Washington down here to Phoenix. Ten years, long time. And yet he will not leave me alone. He's taunting me, really. Taunting me because he knows and remembers. Now, my wife Christy grows tired of listening to my ill-fated adventures, so I'll tell you my story and explain who's been taunting me and why I remain tortured to this day. Joda, go ahead and bring up the picture. There it is. About a dozen years ago, I was on that boat. Oh, yeah. Here's the story behind the story. I had come living in the Seattle-Tacoma, Washington area, come to love seafood. And especially had come to love halibut. Well, some buddies said, hey, John, let's go halibut fishing. And I thought to myself, how cool is that? Of course I'll go halibut fishing. Well, here's what I didn't know was going to happen. 
we pile into, picture, six guys piling into a minivan, driving through the night from the Puget Sound area all the way out to the northwest tip of the state of Washington in a little town called Nia Bay. And that's where we get onto this 50-foot yacht called the Advantage, skippered by Skipper Jeff with a G Grillo. He's the one that keeps sending me these postcards every year. I don't even know how he found me. <laughs> so we get onto the yacht and off we go. Well, if you know anything about halibut, and I didn't, halibut live way far out and way deep down. Like, bottom of the ocean, we're going 50 miles out. Now, I'd been across Lake Michigan because I grew up in the Midwest, but I'd never been that far out on the ocean. So friends give you all kinds of advice about how not to get seasick, what to eat, keep your eyes on the horizon, stay hydrated, right? All that stuff. And so I'm following instructions and feeling okay until I'd say about two of the three hours it would take to get to the point where we would idle back and start fishing. Well, the further out we got to the ocean, the larger the waves. And so along this yacht is going, going right through the waves. You can all picture that. And I'm starting to get queasy. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, hold it together. Just hold it together because... Once we get to the place where we're going to fish, the motion will stop, we'll idle back, and everything will be fine. Getting a little bit worked up telling you the story, because here's what happened. So this motion finally stops. We idle back, and now we start doing this, back and forth. And back, and forth, and back, and forth, and I lost it. I got so sick. I saw breakfast. I saw dinner from the day before. I am certain I saw lunch from back in the third grade. And it's true what they say about the shelf life of Twinkies. (laughs) Oh, my. It was just, it was so horrible. And here's the thing. Once that switch is flipped and you're out on the ocean, there's no flipping it back off. And so it just wouldn't stop. And I kept getting sick and sick. And, you know, there's finally that point where you just think to yourself, okay, God, guess this is it. This is the way it's all going to end. You know what? I'm guessing that's not far off from the way David felt when he was reflecting back in this psalm on his sin. Not only the spiritual, but literally the physical hand of God on his heart and his conscience because of what he knew he had done. Listen to these words. 
beginning at verse 3 again from our scripture. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Oh. You know what that feels like? Young or old? I'm guessing you do. We talk a lot here at Crosswalk about hurts and habits and hang-ups, right? What causes those kind of feelings? Long list. You have your list, I have mine, but we all have our list. Right? Maybe it's loveless words or actions. Maybe it's destructive habits. Maybe it's the websites you've been visiting or the music you've been listening to. Or the video games you've been playing. Maybe it's the stuff you've been putting into your body to numb you in the short term, which is now taking you prisoner for the long term. Right? We can all relate. Well, I want to tell you the happy conclusion to my trip. Because we spent that three hours, three hours fishing, middle of the ocean, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, three hours plus now another three hours to get back to shore. How in the world am I going to live through this? Well, here's what happened. So, Boat powers back up, head back to shore. And it probably took 10, maybe 15 minutes. Miracle happened. All of a sudden, unexpectedly, I wasn't sick anymore. Maybe the change in motion, I don't know. I wasn't sick anymore. And Honestly, I reflect back and what an emotional experience that was to suddenly go, I'm going to live. God, thank you. Thank you for taking it away. That's the way David felt. Again, look at his words. Follow up verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess, confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And it was God. And the spiritual and emotional relief and gratitude that goes with the knowledge, the confidence that sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about today. That is the heart and soul of what we're talking about today in the series about resilience and specifically talking about the topic of Christian education because at the end of the day, slice it and dice it any way you want to, that's at the heart of Christian education for young, for old. It's grace. It's the promise, the certainty, the guarantee that Jesus was your substitute in who he really is and what he's really done for you, taking your sins on him so that you have the peace of sins forgiven in Jesus Christ. So I'd like you to use that for your first fill-in in the note because there's no other place we can begin. At the heart of Christian education is Jesus Christ. 
and his gift of grace. So we're going to keep talking about Christian education, and we're going to steer off into the why part now of Christian education. Why do we give so much talk, time, and attention to Christian education? 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14, 15 says this. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I want you to circle or underline the words wise for salvation. About 10 years ago, back up in Washington, I was teaching a sophomore religion class my final year up there. And I remember first day of class using these very words, this very portion of scripture, telling my sophomores, you know, here's the deal, folks. If you fail every lesson in school, if you walk away not knowing reading, writing, or arithmetic, but you are wise for salvation and I get to hug you in heaven, we win. And they all said, hey, no homework this year. (laughs) Wrong application. But think about that. Think about what it means and what's riding on being wise for salvation. While you're thinking about that, share a little funny with you here. Dateline, I think this is Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio, Joda, if you can find the slide. This is uh, just from this past Friday here. Dayton, Ohio. Ohio man buried riding his 1967 Harley-Davidson motorcycle, an extra-large grave. Here's the subhead of the story. Bill Stanley was spectacularly laid to rest in a cemetery on Friday while seated on the back of his 1967 Electric Glide Cruiser, thanks to the handiwork of five embalmers, and metal back brace and straps. The 82-year-old motorhead succumbed to lung cancer on Sunday. Wow. Thought he could take it with him, huh? And here's the thing. This is not nearly as crazy as the people back in Wisconsin that get buried in those Green Bay Packer caskets. I mean, talk about sickness. Wow. Wow. And I'm even from there. You know, we can joke and fun about not being able to take it with us. But you know what? Even though you can't take it with you, you can take them. Did you ever think about that? You can take them with you. Your children, your loved ones, people you care about, you can take 
them with you. We know that to be true, right? Scripture tells us so. If they are wise for salvation, yes, you get to hug them in heaven. And so that's another note. I'm going to make Joda's life complicated this morning and skip around. But your first and your next note, we invest in our children because we can take them with us. And I'm going to jump to the next note right away. This will be easy to follow. Before I jump back into the next scripture reference, you can fill that one in too. After we can take them with us, here's another why we invest in our children. Jesus said to. Jesus said to. Made a pretty big deal of it. Go back to scripture, Mark chapter 10, 14. Said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I'm going to share the full version with you here quickly. Give you just a little bit more context. This is from Mark chapter 10. It says this, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Indignant. That's a powerful word. What does it mean to be indignant? This fall, I had to go do uh, some visits, uh, a little trip up to northern Arizona. Stayed at a Super 8 in Pine Top. Long day, travel, visits. I was tired, exhausted. It was a Monday night, and I was looking forward to going into my room at the Super 8 and plopping down and turning on Monday night football only to find out that this particular Super 8 didn't have ESPN. Thus, no Monday night football for me. I was indignant. (laughs) Well, here's the deal. Jesus was a hundred times more indignant than that. Right? Because this is serious business. This is about kids. And so he made a big point to his disciples, to everyone there that was listening and watching. Let them come to me because this is what the kingdom of heaven is made up of, people. Jesus knew some things about those children. He knew that if as children they were pointed in the right direction, and grounded properly, the spiritual chance and likelihood that they would stay on that path. Jesus knew that. But he also knew something else, something pretty scary. I want to draw you in your notes to the passage from Judges, chapter 2. Jesus also knew that the opposite was possible. This, to me, is one of the most haunting passages in all of Scripture. Listen to this. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. 
How does that happen? That a whole generation doesn't know, and this is Old Testament, so we're reflecting on the promise. Now we're reflecting back. How does that happen? That a whole generation doesn't know. You know how it happens. Happens when moms and dads decide that Xboxes and iPhones, and you make your list of things that are more important than investing spiritually in our kids. Let me make clear. Xs and I, Xboxes and iPhones are not evil. Got them in our home too. But it's a matter of priority, isn't it? It's a matter of deciding what is important. Because they're our next generation. And if they don't get it, who's going to take the word in the gospel and the whole piece of forgiveness and grace message we kicked off with this morning? Who's going to share that hope with a world that desperately needs the hope? So that's your next note. They are the next generation. I'm going to give you a bonus note right now. Make sure that you get your money's worth this morning. Bonus note under the why. This is something that I'm sensitive to as an educator. Some of you, like me, are old enough to remember Bill Cosby and his shticks. Pretty funny stuff. And one of his shticks, maybe you remember the one where he talks about kids being brain damaged. You know what? It's true. It's true, and I'm talking now specifically about teenagers. For those of you who either are teens, parents of teens, or used to be a teen, I'm still a recovering teenager. (laughs) Here's the thing. Brain-based research. We've got all of this research at our fingertips now. Tell us about the complexities of neural and psychological functions on the brain that there are an enormous number of chemical and biological changes that take place in the brain during teen years. And the result of that can often be heightened emotional states during which every success, failure, triumph, embarrassment is magnified many times what the average adult might experience. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I remember those days. It's true, I am still recovering. That's why it's so important, not just for our tiny tots. It's so important for our adolescents and our teens to be connected to someone who loves them unconditionally, who never changes and never lets them down and is always there and never breaks promises, it's Jesus. He's, he's not only the one, he's the only one for them, for you, for me. So now we'll shift gears a little bit more. Talk about the how part. Time for the rubber to meet the road. And full disclosure here, some of you remember, if you're about my age, give or take, 
You remember back in the 80s, there were these hair club for men commercials. And the president would always close the commercial, say, now just remember, I'm not just the president, I'm a client too. And it would show his before and after and he'd be bald and then he'd have this gorgeous head of hair. Well, full disclosure, I'm a dad. So for me, this message is doubly personal. How do we do this thing, this Christian education thing? How do we start children off on the way they should go from Proverbs 22.6 so that when they are old, they will not turn from it? By the way, this is Scripture talking at you here. This isn't just my opinion. Start children off on the way they should go right away, never too early. And when they're old, they won't turn from it. How do we do that? Starts at home. Does. Starts with moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles. Whatever your home looks like, that's where it begins. Some of you may have a similar problem that I have where your kids are actually way smarter than you are. And that can feel a little bit intimidating. Doesn't need to be. Wherever you are and wherever your children are on their path and their journey with Jesus, go it together. Teach them, yes, but learn together. Be part of the process because I guarantee you, you will get as much out of it as they do. So many ways to do that. Read scripture together. There are dozens and dozens of great Bible story books written in simple fashion to learn those stories and those truths and those promises from scripture. Out of the Crosswalk Resource Center, some great options out there for you to consider. Great devotion books. Last week, Pastor Mark Jeske with Time of Grace was here. Time of Grace has oodles of devotion books, and they're so well done, and they're just so simple and straightforward and honest. Easy reads, powerful reads. Crosswalk Kids, those of you who are moms and dads have your, your kids over there, you get one of these little connect flyers, comes home, and it gives you a whole package. Thoughts, ideas, plans, things you can read, talk about, do for the week to come together as moms and dads and families. It starts at home. And if you're nervous or feel awkward about what to do and how to get started, please ask. We're family. That's why we're here. That's We do life together here at Crosswalk. Ask your pastors, ask staff, ask, ask your friends, ask me. Get it started, however and whatever that looks like. Here's another one. Next level after home, I want to urge you to invest in our kids here at Crosswalk, as we aggressively reach out into our community, invest in our kids. More full disclosure, my last name is Sabald. There's a Christy Sabald that's the director of Crosswalk Kids. 
we share not only the same last name, but the same children? Yes, we're married. Yes, I know all about some of the challenges, blessings and challenges that kids face. What are the number one challenges? They need you. We cannot do a world-class job of investing in our children here at Crosswalk and reaching out into the community without your help. Christy tells me right now, ideally, it takes 35 to 40 volunteers every Sunday to make kids work. And ideally, double that number of people in order to be able to rotate in the weeks and months so that people have time on and time off. But think about what's at stake. Our kids, the future, a healthy church, a healthy community. It's where it starts. What an opportunity for you. And then on top of that, our teen ministry, our youth ministry with Phil Bischoff needs your help too. Kids need role models and kids need mentors. Kids need examples. They need you. What happens when you do that kind of investing? When you do those devotions and Bible readings and spiritual discussions at home and then you you invest here at Crosswalk? You know what happens? Miracle happens. Miracle happens just like doing push-ups. Some of you have heard my push-up thing. One push-up. That's all you can do. Get on your hands and knees, and you do that one push-up. And then the next day, you do that one push-up. And then the next day, you do that one push-up. And you do it faithfully, and you do it consistently. All of a sudden, what's going to happen? All of a sudden, you're going to be able to do two. And then you do two, and you do two, and you do two, and then you can do five. And you do five, and you do five, and all of a sudden, you can do 10, and then 25, and then 50, and sky's the limit. Faithfulness, consistency, miracles. That's what happens spiritually for our kids, for you, for me. Faithfulness, consistency, miracles, spiritual growth. Philippians chapter 1. Let's talk about another how. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Underline or circle those words, partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. Let's talk a little bit about partnership as we start to wind things down. I was able to accompany the Crosswalk staff to a leadership conference this past August and heard sort of an anecdote about leadership I never thought about before. It's a story I was quite familiar with. A story that took place in the Old Testament when Saul was the very first king of Israel. Here's what happened, Reader's Digest version. Saul, king of Israel, is with his camp, and they are over their heads and in deep trouble. Because across the valley is the Philistine army. And day in and day out for 40 days, 
the champion of the Philistine army, his name was Goliath, came out and taunted the Israel army and challenged them. You send your best, your best, our best, which for Goliath meant him, would duke it out on behalf of both armies to decide who the winner was. And here's the thing. Day in and day out over those 40 days, Saul knew. He had to. Saul knew a couple of things. He knew, number one, he was indeed in way over his head. But even more personal, he knew the champion should have been him. Should have been him. Listen to these words about Saul back when he was anointed king of Israel. This is what it says. He, Kish was his father. Kish had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. He knew. Should have been him. But he also knew he couldn't. He wouldn't. We find out in Scripture the reason why, because of his spiritual immaturity and lack of faith. Well, as the story goes, one fateful day, along comes young teenage shepherd boy sent by his dad to check on his older brothers at the battlefront. That young boy's name was David. David heard the taunts, said, this is ridiculous. We have a God on our side who can squash this Goliath like a grape. And the rest of the story lives in infamy, right? A smooth stone, a slingshot, a swoosh, a splat on the forehead. Goliath lands with a thud. David cuts off his head to put on his mantle next to the elk. (laughs) And then comes, then comes... One of the most unfortunate, one of the greatest missed opportunities in Scripture. Listen to this. Here's what happened next. Whatever mission Saul sent him, that's David on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs with timbrels and lyres. They danced and sang, listen to this, Saul has slain his thousands And David, his tens of thousands. Ouch. You know what happened next? Saul became so jealous of David that he chased him for the following eight years or more to try and kill him. He felt that threatened by this young talented superstar. Turn back the hands of time. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Saul had the spiritual maturity to reach down from his chariot 
say, David, come on up here. Because, dude, you and me together, we are in the 11,000 club. There will be, has never been, a partnership like ours. And together, God is going to use us to do amazing things. You and me, David. Come on up into my chariot. Opportunity lost. For Saul, for Israel, doesn't have to be opportunity lost for you. Who's in your chariot? Who are you partnering with to do this work? Because he can't do it alone. You can't. Hillary Clinton wrote a book back in 1996 doesn't matter what your political flavor is. Her book has a great title and a great theme. It takes a village to raise our kids. It does. It's a commitment we make every time there's a baptism here at Crosswalk, a commitment that we're in this together for our kids. So let's review a few notes quick. We train our children by, number one, immersing them in God's word. So when we see those miracles happen, that growth take place. And then the next one, we train our children by partnering with other Christian role models. Gave you a memory verse. And I want to make some challenges to you for some next steps. I want to challenge you to consider what's at stake here and how serious this investment is. Folks, this is D-Day. I mean, stop and think about it. Those brave, courageous soldiers that charged charged the beaches, Normandy on D-Day, were fighting for freedom this side of eternity. We're battling for souls. We're battling for the rest of forever in the hearts of our children. And there's a battle being waged, make no mistake. There's a battle being waged to rip their hearts and their souls away. And you watch and see that battle every day. We need to take this seriously and we need to do it together. Make your plan. Volunteer here at Crosswalk. Get it started at home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the amazing gift that you showered on us, this incredible gift called Christian education, that we have the hope and the peace and the confidence of sins forgiven in Jesus Christ. Help us to take that gift personally and seriously and especially to place our focus in investing and training up the next generation, our children, so that one day we can indeed hug them together in heaven. We ask your blessing on this work as we need it. For Jesus' sake. So, before we close, if you would like to learn more about Arizona Lutheran Academy, just head over to alacoyotes.org. To hear more messages, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. And now, a couple closing thoughts from Mr. John Sable.
thanks so much for coming on out this morning, being part of the Crosswalk family. If you're new to our family, hope you make this a routine and grow with us together. I want to share a couple of quick thoughts with you before I send you on your way. One of the things I just love and enjoy about our culture and our family here at Crosswalk is the diversity. And when I speak about diversity, we can talk about a lot of different kinds of diversity. I'm going to talk specifically about diversity in terms of education and the different schools and the different systems that people here at Crosswalk are plugged into because I know we have people here who are plugged into or whose children or maybe even you or your grandparents or generations have attended some of these schools between Cheatham Elementary and Levine Elementary and Vista and Eagle. We've got Chavez and we've got Fairfax. We've got Emmanuel over in Tempe and Grace up in Glendale in Arizona Lutheran Academy. And I just love the way that we can respect, encourage, and support each other. I want to talk real specifically right now about one of those schools. It's a ministry I get to serve at called Arizona Lutheran Academy. ALA has a really unique relationship with Crosswalk. In fact, Crosswalk 10 years ago was born out of a strategic plan made at Arizona Lutheran Academy. Started out in the gymnasium at ALA, 27th Avenue and Southern. Spent six years there before making the move over here to our current site at Chavez. A lot of students, a lot of graduates, crosswalk, attended Arizona Lutheran Academy. And so we have this special bond that, that I want you to know about and want you to understand some opportunities for you to support. I want to share a story with you, another quick story that I think is probably the most powerful way that I can express the takeaway to you about why Arizona Lutheran Academy is such a special place. Back on uh, November 9th, Arizona Lutheran Academy hosted a home football playoff game. First time in anyone's recollection that ALA was ranked number one seed in state in our division. And so we got to host a home game. Home game was against Hopi, which is a school, largely Native American school, from about five hours to the north. Huge crowd from Hopi turned out. In fact, I think there may have been more of them than there were of us. I was on supervision for the game that night, and what a gracious, wonderful crowd. Well, it was number one seed against number 16 seed, and we had the game. We, ALA, had the game well in hand. And with about seven minutes left in the game, tragedy struck. Charles Uvello, senior captain for Hopi, young man that had scored the team's only touchdown, collapsed. It was evident right away that the situation was very serious. Fire department was contacted, who in turn immediately contacted the ambulance. Charles had trauma transported to St. Joseph Medical Center, lapsed into a coma on the way to the hospital. Two days later, this beautiful young man was dead. Long list of takeaways from that situation, more than I have time to share with you here, about the opportunities that God gave us to witness and share encouragement 
about dealing with the media because the day after he passed away, we had five networks on our campus at ALI. But even there, God blessed opportunities to witness and share and to grace people. But here's the big takeaway, and this took place about a week after the tragedy. We wanted to put our best foot forward in serving and counseling and helping our students spiritually, emotionally with this devastating thing that had just happened. And so one of the people that stopped through our campus as we were reaching out to counselors and professionals and advisors to get the best possible advice. One of the professionals that stopped through the campus, his name is Rick Lowen. He's a dear friend to us here at Crosswalk. Rick is very experienced when it comes to crisis counseling, one of the best out there. And so Rick was spending a little bit of time with our athletic director, Doug Meyer, talking strategy. And he shared these words with Doug, which were just this beautiful epiphany for me. He said, just remember, you've been getting your students ready for this all along. And it was true. It was true. Because one of the unique things that we're able to do at Arizona Lutheran Academy is make the kind of message you heard this morning a day in, day out, part of the fabric of what we teach and who we are as a high school. Along with the reading and writing and arithmetic and athletics and fine arts, all of which we're tremendously blessed along with preparing over 90% of our students on an annual basis to go on to college. At the end of the day, we get to teach the one thing needful to teenagers so that they're ready, ready for tragedy, ready for triumph, ready for the future, ready to be leaders, ready to take your place, ready to go out into the world and to be salt and to be light and to be witnesses. That's why this partnership is such a unique and special one and why I cherish that so much. Because without knowing it, you are having an impact on supporting and praying for kids that you may never meet until you get to hug them in heaven. So I want to give you a huge thank you, Crosswalk, for your partnership and support for our students at Aolite. And then I want to extend an invitation to you. If you'd like to learn more about what an ALA education is all about, our admissions director, Michelle Meyer, is out on the plaza with the table. She'd love to tell you more. So would I. And I want to remind you that God has given us here in Arizona an unbelievable tool that we can use to support our students. It's called the Arizona Tuition Tax Credit Program. It's this amazing tool that gives you a choice to direct your tax dollars at no cost to you, to help support kids at private and Christian schools. And there's also a program that you can support extracurricular programs in public schools too. And I want you to know that they're both out there. We have specifically information about Arizona Lutheran Academy and the way you can support our students and moms and dads who are struggling and sacrificing to make that tuition-based education possible. With that, thanks so much for this time together this morning. Let me send you out with the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. God bless your day.